Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. And on this show, I talk about everything related to how to, you know, you know, under address the underlying root causes of your health, detox your body. We talked about what heavy metals and chemicals are doing to your health. We talk about other topics as well. And today we're talking about how to heal your metabolism. I have expert Kate Deering on the show, and she's going to be talking about all the different things that impact and negatively impact your metabolism, you know, like your diet, but we namely talk about stress and how stress is really the big factor that plummets people's metabolism. It's not always their diet. They're eating too many carbs and things like that. We talk about calorie restriction. Uh, we talk about, you know, how, how exactly stress impacts the body impacts your thyroid because as soon as you're stressed out, your thyroid function starts lowering and that has this, you know, downstream effect on your ability to maintain a, a hot body temperature, which will burn more calories. And we just talk about a lot of different aspects related to uh, how to improve your metabolism, how to heal it. We talk about concerns with, you know, perimenopausal and menopausal women specifically who are trying everything to lose weight and it's not just working. We also talk about the keto diet, the short-term benefits and the long-term pitfalls, lots of really, really good info. Uh, Kate really knows what she's talking about. And she also talks about this in her book, How to Heal Your Metabolism. So this is the condensed version of her book, but great show, gotta pay attention if you're trying to lose weight. And I know you guys listening to the show are concerned about your heavy metal toxin load and are concerned about detoxing your body. So I created a quiz called heavymetalsquiz.com. You take two minutes to go take the quiz and it will give you your relative level body burden of toxins based on your answers to all the questions called your lifestyle and diet. So take the quiz and you get a free video series uh, answering all of your most frequently asked questions about detoxing your body. So check it out, heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Kate Deering, uh, for over 25 years, she's been involved in the health and fitness industry, helping men and women of all ages achieve optimal health and wellness. So her practice is based on a holistic approach to health and wellness by looking at the person's uh, entirety. So their well-being, including diet, stress, exercise, posture, sleep, digestion, hormones, mindset, and lifestyle. And she believes maintaining all of these key components are vital to a person's overall health and happiness. And her expertise is based on certifications such as the, the Czech exercise coach, Czech holistic lifestyle coach, Olympic lifting coach, a resistive stretching practitioner, and she's also a certified nutritional consultant. You can learn more about Kate and her work at katedeering.com. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Wendy. Appreciate it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you got, how you got into your health and you have a book on metabolism. How did you get into all that? So I have been in the health and fitness industry probably for the last, let's see, how old am I? 28 years. Um, so I started with degrees in psychology and exercise physiology in college, got out. Then I ran health clubs for about 10 years. Um, when I moved out to California, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started to get into more personal training and as I got more into training, you realize that such a big component of getting people healthy is nutrition. So I started to do deep dives into nutrition, 
Um, I was a clinical nutritional coach. Uh, I studied with the Czech Institute. And so I kind of went down a lot of different paths to figure out kind of what seemed to work properly. And of course, as you go do them, you learn different things. And then came across the work of Ray Pete and, you know, a little bit of Morley Robbins and Broda Barnes, um, Hans Sele. And so that kind of has evolved my thoughts now into where I am. And so now I just primarily do nutrition coaching with some training on the side. Okay, great. And so your focus is, you know, metabolism. So, and that's what you wrote your book about. So what is metabolism exactly? Like, just, can you kind of expand on, I think people have a basic idea, but what's the whole picture? And I think it's a really good question because I think a lot of people have a misconception about what it is. I think most people just think it's burning calories. Like you have a higher low metabolism. I burn a lot of calories. I don't burn a lot of calories. And there's some truth to that. Um, Ultimately, though, metabolism is a sum of every metabolic process that's going on in your body. It's how your body essentially converts food into energy. And so some people do that well and others not so well. Um, the, where we get into the burning calorie situation is because you can have a very stressed metabolism and we have different pathways when we're stressed and how we utilize energy. And then we have a very normal Pro, uh, high thyroid um, or not yeah, high working thyroid function. And that produces a good metabolic functioning in your whole system. So that's more of like, you have a well-running basal metabolic rate or resting metabolic rate. So I always think that's a good assessment of kind of how healthy someone is, is how much energy they're burning at rest. Okay, great. And so what does a low metabolism look like exactly? So a low metabolism on like a general lab might look as like high TSH. That's kind of what your practitioner is going to tell you. Um, Symptomatically, or what we also look at that you might not need a lab for is your basal temperature. Um, It should be around low. We're talking low. Low is more of low, low metabolism would be more like low body temperature, very low pulse, Um, sleep issues, has a hard time losing weight. Um, It can be high or low blood pressure, um, poor skin health, poor hair health, um, constipated or diarrhea, um, hormonal imbalances. So PMS, uh, infertility issues, um, doesn't want no libido. So essentially everything slows down when you're in a a slow metabolic rate. But on some levels, because your body's trying to always kind of keep up with the stresses around around you, you can also burn a lot of calories and have a low basal metabolism essentially, because then we're just trying to stress the system. So your body's using high cortisol, which will essentially suppress thyroid function. And so yes, these people can actually be burning lots of calories, but we're burning them in the wrong way. And the, no, and the reason you would know you're actually still low thyroid is you'll have more symptoms, sleep issues, constipation, right? There's the people that say they're burning a lot of calories, but then you look at them and you're like, you have every symptom of somebody is actually hypothyroid. Okay, great. Yeah. And so you said they have low TSH as the thyroid stimulating hormone and they have like low thyroid functioning. Yeah. So I should, I should, I should reiterate. So a low thyroid person is going to have a high TSH and so, and, a, and someone with optimal thyroid will have more of a lower TSH. Yes, yes, exactly. That's what I meant. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then what does someone look like that has like a high metabolism? Uh, what is that? So I, I a healthy, I, I'm very, I don't like those people, but who are they? <laughs> <laughs> so a healthy metabolism would look like uh, your body temperature. Ideal body temperature would be about 98.6. It can be around 97.8, 98 when you're awake, it's going to be a little bit lower. Um, a rest or your resting heart rate will be between 75 and 90 beats a minute. 
you'll have healthy hair, healthy skin. Um, you'll have a healthy bowel movement. So you'll have a bowel daily. It's going to be like a, a normal stool, not too loose. Um, so you're not excessively going to the bathroom. You might be urinating four or five times a day, not 25 times a day. You can sleep through the night, um, deep sleep through the night without not waking. You'll have a healthy libido, pain-free periods, fertile. You'll want to have sex. All of those things would be synonymous with somebody's system running well. Because then we know, we know that they're using energy well and they have enough energy coming in to support all of their systems. Yes, 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 yes. And so, and then what about stress? So how does stress factor into that? We're all dealing with a lot of different types of stress. Many of their people are unaware of the amount of stress that they're dealing with. How, how does stress affect our metabolism? So stress is like your your thyroid's worst enemy. So in a high stress state, thyroid's always gonna be suppressed. So in a short-term basis, like working out. So actually when you go work out, your thyroid is slightly suppressed and that's okay. That's a normal function of what happens when you're working out. But when you get out of that, it should return back to normal function, right? We should be able to recover quite well. And now our body's working more optimally. So short-term acute stresses are fine for our system as long as we can handle it. It's now in this world, we're all under some level or not everybody, but a good bit of people are on chronic stress. And so when you're under chronic stress, thyroid stays suppressed for long periods of time. And that's when you kind of see these hypothyroid states or even subclinical hypothyroid states. And what tends to happen is, is because your body is always trying to stay in some sort of homeostasis and it's trying to keep up with the energy demands of stress. And let me just define maybe what stress means in, in, in my world. I would say stress is anytime your body has more demands than it has available energy. And so we elicit a stress response when that happens. And that's a good thing in the, certainly on all because that keeps us alive, right? If we didn't have those mechanisms and we would die if we didn't have usable energy and we had more demands on our system. So it's all good until we stay in those kind of pathways. So we're under chronic cortisol elevation and, 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 adre and adrenaline and other stress hormones stay elevated. And that's when we start to see symptoms, illness, disease, because your body has these adaptive mechanisms to try to keep up with, with what's going on, but it comes at a cost long-term. So we're all, like I said, and that's where I come back to the place of people can still burn a lot of calories in a hypothyroid state if their system is running down the adaptive pathways of high cortisol, high adrenaline, high there's other serotonin, prolactin, all of those kind of start staying elevated. And then that's when we start to see problems. So I think that's where people get confused because they're like, Hey, I'm thin or, Hey, you know, I eat a lot and I'm still thin, but I can't sleep and I'm constipated or, you know, I have no sex drive, but you know, I'm an athlete, so I'm healthy. And, you know, you see that a lot in the people that are very, very athletic or endurance athletes where yes, they look healthy and thin, yet they have a lot of metabolic issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and that's, that's the thing. A lot of diabetics are super, super thin also as well. It's just, you can't let that fool you. Um, nope, and that's so right. what are some of the best foods that uh, support metabolism? So if we just look at it as far as first as an energy, right, we always want to make sure that we have enough energy to support the demands on our body. So our body's best source of energy is always going to come in this in the, in the form of carbohydrates. Um, your body likes carbohydrates. It's easier to utilize. It produces more things like carbon dioxide. It actually pr produces more ATP or more heat. 
And so our body prefers those resources. Now, when I say carbohydrates, people are like, oh, I can just go eat like a cookie or a loaf of bread. And I'm like, not really what I'm referencing. And of course, when we refer things like cookies or cakes, those aren't just carbohydrates. There's lots of fat um, in those foods. So usually what I'm referring to are carbohydrates that are going to have it contain a, a lot of nutrition. And those usually come in the forms of fruits, juices, root vegetables, uh, vegetables, not all vegetables, more cooked vegetables, um, honey, things that are like easily accessible that our body have, doesn't have a really, really hard time breaking down and can utilize this energy to support the system. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to go out and just consume a ton of these foods with nothing else because you're going to create problems. And there's always a balance with your system. And so we have to learn to not take everything out of context or try to go to these extremes. But when you do eat and consume carbohydrates, you always want to make sure they are balanced with enough protein or some fat to make sure that they're not rushing into your system too quickly because then you can start creating some blood sugar issues. But you do want those nutrient-rich carbohydrates because again, uh, carbohydrates or sugars alone will improve metabolic rate. They actually speed things up. And so when you speed up your body's ability to utilize fuel, you need all the other cofactors that go with it. And those are all your vitamins and your minerals that all support that process. So just consuming copious amounts of white sugar would be a bad idea. Um, it would speed up your metabolism, um, but because it would speed things up without any nutrition, you would start seeing a lot of nutritional deficiencies. And I think that's what we sometimes see in people that maybe even eat a high carbohydrate processed food as they start creating a lot of nutritional deficiencies. And so um, is it necessarily the sugar? Maybe not. It could just be that they don't have enough nutrition to support their current diet. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on like the keto diet and, you know, reducing carbs drastically for weight loss or, you know, uh, or doing that diet long-term? So it certainly does work. Um, <clears throat> certainly for weight loss. I mean, anytime you remove an entire macronutrient, you know, you're just going to reduce calorie consumption. And so for a lot of people in weight loss, that's what you're doing. Total calorie consumption is going to go down. If you remove all carbohydrates and you just eat a diet of fat and protein, you will have a significant calorie deficit. And the primary way people lose weight is to go in a calorie deficit. You have to be consuming less energy than you are burning. So for some people, it seems to be an easy route because they're like, well, if I don't consume any carbohydrates, I mean, you know, fat and protein will certainly reduce that and you'll eat less. Um, as, as far as a long-term answer for health uh, and, and, and a fat reduction, what I tend to see uh, at about three to four years of people doing that, and, and what I actually see is that people that do keto, some do it for weight loss, but a lot of other people do it for health reasons, maybe an autoimmune issue or digestive issues and so forth. So it, it does work. It seems to work for those people for, like I said, these two, three, four year periods. And then at some point, especially I see in women is they start to have a lot of hormonal issues or their hair starts to fall out or they start to have really bad sleep issues. You, def you definitely see things like, you know, high cholesterol in these individuals. And sometimes you'll start to see some low thyroid function because sugar in itself is needed or carbohydrates or glucose is needed for so many functions. But one of the primary ones is it's needed to convert your inactive thyroid T4 to active thyroid T3 in the liver, which is about 80% of your thyroid number, thyroid that you're needing. So 
by hindering glucose, you are going to start to inhibit that process. And also the liver in itself, because if you go keto, they're going to start utilizing ketones as energy as well. Um, your liver can't use ketones as energy. Your brain can, right? Which is actually the, the, usually the number one glucose consumer, but under a state of starvation or ketogenic diet, it can use ketones. The liver cannot. The liver still needs to utilize glucose on some level of fat. So we start to see some inactivity in the liver and that can create other effects, low thyroid function, high cortisol, long-term in individuals. Um, what I see kind of mainstream is a lot of the keto or even carnivore people are starting to now utilize like carbohydrate feeding times strategically. <laughs> that seems to be the new kind of thing and utilizing honey and maybe some fruits into their diet to kind of help this. So we'll kind of see, I think what this kind of brings in the future, but that seems to be the trend right now. Yeah. Keto, but eating carbs. <laughs> um, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe they're, they're can, they can work that a little bit, right. And where they have these feeding times, but if you go keto, right. I mean, a lot of the premise is, uh, to reduce insulin, right. We want to become more insulin sensitive and they, they do reduce do, do their insulin levels, but they also can do it in a state when they introduce carbohydrates back in, it almost looks like they have a diabetic state, right. Cause all those numbers shoot back up because their body has kind of adapted to not utilizing glucose. So in my view, any diet you're on should eventually go to a place where you're able to eat a variety of different foods, right? So maybe you go on it for a certain period of time to get a result, but at the end of it, if you can now no longer consume carbohydrates because now you're just kind of glucose intolerant, well, I'm not sure that that's the right diet long-term, right? I mean, th there's so many good things that you get from carbohydrates, especially all the minerals and nutrients. So to completely eliminate those doesn't seem to be a long-term, uh, answer in my opinion. Yeah. When I was doing, like when I was first started on looking at my diet, um, I started, uh, I did like a, the Atkins diet, which is, you know, mm -hmm. keto version. And I was looking at the carbohydrates on my vegetables, like, Oh my God, an artichoke has 17 grams of carbohydrates. And then I was looking at other vegetables and I thought this is crazy to, even be thinking about the amount of carbs that are in vegetables that are healthy foods and to restrict them um, because of the carbohydrate intake. And I just, for me on its face, just did not make any logical sense. Um, it, it's just, if you're just trying to, to lose weight, you know, eat, eat your vegetables that are healthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think everything has to be taken into context of the individual. So I'm very much about the person and where are they at right now and how their body is utilizing carbohydrates. You know, if you are a complete, if you're a diabetic or if you have some sort of glucose intolerance because of a lot of stress in your life, then consuming copious amounts of any carbohydrate might have an adverse effect on you. So we have to understand where somebody is at initially and might go, hey, if you're having some issues, maybe we have to address some other things first before we start incorporating some of these other foods. So I mean, to me, healing is always in layers. It's not just a, here's approach, do this and you're done. It's understanding where you're at right now. Let's kind of uncover that. Maybe we need to support you here first so that you can tolerate these things first. But we should always be building on those layers so eventually someone can come back and to go, okay, I can eat all these foods and I'm good and there's no problems. And to me, that's a successful dietary approach. Yeah. And so what are some of the best healthy sugars that people should be eating? Well, like I said, the, the best ones are always going to be sugars. And I, I kind of use these all these words interchangeably. Um, 
glucose, sugar, carbohydrates are going to be the ones that have the most nutrition. And so high nutrient sugars, carbs are going to be your fruits, right? Tons of minerals in those that you, your body utilizes. Plus they have fructose, which can help also balance your blood sugar. Um, the roots, right? Potatoes can be a great source. They're super high in potassium, tons of nutrition in potatoes, love potatoes. However, for some people, they don't work. And so again, there's nothing all in and, you know, yes for everything. It's kind of look at your system. Um, vegetables can be as an energy source, most vegetables aren't great because most of them don't have a lot of energy. Um, they are super high in fiber. And uh, for a lot of people, <clears throat> especially in the raw state, a lot of vegetables are not a good option initially because they don't carry a lot of energy. They're low calorie foods. And so when we come into a place of healing, we have to teach somebody's system to utilize energy better meaning we, we wanna kind of take some of the burden off of their system and for your body to break down something like spinach or raw spinach, it takes energy, right? We can't just, right? All the systems of your body require fuel and you put it into the digestive system, this raw food that has basically no fuel in it. So we're actually taking energy to break down this food. Now, again, I don't wanna say spinach is necessarily bad, but in a system that's under working, it might not be the best food for them because it's taking so much energy to break down. And for those people, what you're going to see is in their stool, right? When they review it, if they, they want to, they're gonna see bits and pieces of these raw vegetables in there, meaning their system really couldn't break it down very well. And if our system can't break that food down, then we're probably not getting the nutrition that that food should be supplying to them. So it's not just, what is in the food initially it's is your body able to break it down and is it able to take out and absorb the nutrients and if it isn't then that food is obsolete what's the point of it right it might just be creating some gi issues because your body can't break it down again it doesn't mean you should never eat that it just means we need to take your system into account and how it's, well it's functioning because what i come across is that so many people have constipation issues. Their GI system is so underfueled, right? Our, our digestion has to work in that parasympathetic rest and digest state. And if you're chronically in a stressed state, you're gonna have GI issues. And so giving it all of these hard to digest raw vegetables creates more issues in these people. And so temporarily, or you can cook them, that does tend to help, right? So cooking them up, that makes them easier to, to break down for the human body. Um, can also be helpful. But I find that fruits are a lot easier for them to assimilate and utilize, and even fruit juices um, can be helpful for these individuals while they go through a healing process. Right. Interesting. Very interesting. And so let's talk about your book. So how to heal your metabolism. So what are, the, what are some of the topics that you cover in the book? So I certainly I give, kind of give you an overview of what metabolism is kind of what we talked about here. So people can have a basic understanding. I really try to break it down into really easily digestible chapters so that it's not too complex without being too sciencey. Um, but we talk about certainly carbohydrates, understanding what sugars are, understanding what the best ones are to fuel your system. Um, I talk about saturated fats versus polyunsaturated fats. I talk about protein, how much you need, what are the best sources of protein, what sources may not be best as far as in abundance. Um, I talk about dairy. I'm a, a huge proponent of dairy. I love dairy. I think it gets a bad rap. And so I, I think it's a, a superfood and that most people probably 
if you cannot tolerate it, I have chapters in there talked about how you can learn to get your body to retolerate dairy and how you should do that. Um, we talk about salt, exercise, general happiness. Um, I don't, there's a lot of chapters. Um, there's a lot going on in that book. <laughs> there's a lot water consumption. Um, I kind of just talk about a lot of these things and why we don't have a lot of science, even on like water. We have a general understanding that we should all have 64 ounces of water a day. And there's absolutely zero scientific evidence on that. I don't know where that came from, but there's no understanding. And so for some people, they're walking around with their, I work with fitness trainers and they walk around with their gallon of water all day long and only to find that they're peeing like 20 times a day and then they can't sleep. And for those individuals, I'm like, look, you're just pissing out minerals and you're not getting, and you're just putting stress on your kidneys and bladder. So we kind of pull them back and maybe give them things like coconut water, fruit, or other high nutrient dense foods through the day. And they start drinking all that water. And all of a sudden they stop peeing all the time. They sleep through the night and they just feel better. So not saying water is bad, right? Don't get that idea, but we, we nowhere in your body is there just water. There's always water and minerals. So usually those things should be combined together to help really hydrate you. But we don't talk about that, right? Everyone's like, just drink a ton of water. You're good. I'm like, mm-mm. So, so I go through a lot of thoughts or myths around the industry and kind of go through and say, hey, this is kind of really what's happening. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of people, they, they don't understand about, about water and they're drinking way too much. I, I, I hear people boast they drink three liters of water today or four liters. I do that every single day. And, you know, you, you really need to listen to your, your body. Your body will cry for the water. You, you use your thirst as your guide. And for yeah, sure, and, use and your pee, right? Yeah. And use your pee for your guide. Like it is clear as a bell. If you are peeing 20 times a day, it's too much, right? Yeah. It's just too much. So, you know, but that's where when people hear these blanket statements, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to do that now. And I'm going to do that. And I, and I don't think nutrition or healing or supporting metabolism is very black and white. It's very like, where are you right now? And where can we support you in where you're at? Because someone that is a diabetic is going to be very different than a 25 year old, you know, woman that maybe just has PMS issues. So it's a different ball game. You can use some of the general concepts as the same, but um, you have to kind of understand where you're at right now to, to get yourself better. Okay, fantastic. So any, any tips you have for people, women that are like, you know, there's a lot of women listening that are they're menopausal, perimenopausal, and they can't lose weight. Um, any kind of just general tips to maybe help them feel a little bit more hopeful, especially the women that are, you know, exercising every day and restricting their diet. And they just, no matter what they do, they just can't seem to lose weight. Yes. So I get that. I mean, I hit 50 this year, so it's all the start of the menopausal years. I think it's, shouldn't be feared. I don't, I think that we put these, beliefs around menopause. I'm like, look, this is a very normal process that women go through. Um, we just have to learn how to support ourselves. So I am under the assumption that most women that are probably here at this time have probably been living a pretty stressful life. At least those are the ones I come across that are having these issues. And sometimes tagging on now more exercise and more restriction is just they're fighting against their system at this point, right? And so what I would say is, hey, you know, take a little time and A, 
I love like uh, food logging apps. <clears throat> I think they're super educational or super helpful if if you're you have the bandwidth to do them, um, you know. But if you do like using something like Chronometer or uh, My Fitness Pal and logging your food down and then taking your temperature and pulse, like maybe in the morning or after you're eating, to kind of see where your baseline is. So that's how I work with people. Like, hey, where are you at? You know, are you running cold? If what I find is a lot of women premenopausal or actually now in their 20s or 30s and even 40s 50s um they're they're cool right they're 95 degrees they're 96 degrees so we already know right then is your baseline is running much lower than it should and if so if we try to add more stress on your system that's already struggling right we know that reduction in body te temperature is an adaptation of your system to to try to reserve energy right? You're not, you're not producing as much heat, your body's reserving energy. So you're already starting at a below level of normal. And so we have to build up that foundation first. We have to get your body to utilize energy better so that it produces more heat. And so, you know, if they're finding, hey, I can't lose weight on 1400 calories. Okay. Well, that's too little already, right? We know that your body's not going to function well on 1400 calories, especially if these are women that are running a household, maybe still have kids or dealing with stress or have jobs or whatever. You cannot manage your day on 1400 calories. And so we have to learn to build their energy uh, uh, output up. So we have to slowly increase calories, slowly but surely, while kind of supporting the stress, trying to find places to reduce stress, trying to get them to bed earlier, because all, we know all those things are gonna help them metabolically improve. And at that baseline, and then, you know, what I do is get them up to about 1,800, 2,000 plus calories. And so then ultimately the way you're going to lose weight at any stage of your life is to ultimately take in more or take in less energy than you're burning. But if we get you up to being able to burn 2,000 calories, right, then we know we can add in some light exercise. We know we can add in some sun, which helps improve metabolic rate, right? And maybe a slight calorie deficit at that point in time to help initiate some fat loss. But again, to me, when you come up to menopause, it's basically, yes, your body, menopause is a stress on the system for any woman. And so we have to learn to balance that stress and how can we alleviate it and not push against it. And in my opinion, when someone goes through menopause and now they're trying to restrict more and exercise more, they are now pushing against that and they're just pushing against the wall that's not going to move. And so they have to kind of go back and kind of find out, okay, I got to support my system better. What does that look like? I got to get my body to able to utilize energy better. And what does that look like? Because what I see in today is that what's being recommended to menopausal women is ketogenic, low carb diets, and just exercise more. And again, maybe that will work short term, but I think it's the actually worst approach for them on a long term basis. Again, because yeah. they're not addressing the foundation of where they're at right now. And you need to know what that is. Again, we can't build a good house, can't build a healthy body on a, a cracked foundation because you're going to get into more trouble long term. Yeah, great. That's such a good explanation. I think I haven't had that explanation on the show before. Really good explanation of the underlying root causes of what is thwarting women and perimenopausal and menopausal women's efforts for sure. People are so stressed today and it just, just you know, wrecking ball for your metabolism. Um, so, so everyone, uh, so, you know, thanks so much for tuning in today 
And uh, Kate, uh, go out and get Kate Deering's book, How to Heal Your Metabolism. Um, Kate, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure, Wendy. Anytime. And where can we find your website and your work and work with you? Uh, so my website is katedeering.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Kate Deering Fitness. And so I put out free information. I have a, I have a bunch of information on there about estrogen, progesterone, hormones, um, and just a, a different thought and theories on maybe what is happening that maybe your doctor hasn't talked to you about. So Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was fantastic info. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast where I try to have the world's experts every week come on to teach you how to live your best life because you deserve to feel good. And I know that a lot of people have different missing pieces of the puzzle. They're trying to figure this whole puzzle out. Uh, so that's what I try to do every week. To, and I, I love doing it as well. So thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.